Welcome to Married to the Job, a podcast for partners of emergency services workers and those considering the lifestyle change. This podcast includes stories, opinions, honest chats about what it's like when your partner works in emergency services and the impact of ultimately being married to the job. I'm your host Erin. My husband Matt has been a firefighter since 2016. We've grown our family alongside his career and wow has it been a roller coaster. Let's dive in. I'm sharing this here because I've been asked to share it, um, this birth story, but also this is the easiest format for me and I'm all about ease and doing things that work for me. So this works. I will definitely reference my husband's job and how it affected the pregnancy, the birth and the postpartum experience. But I just want to preface my story by saying that I know that I'm very blessed to have four healthy children, to have had four pretty good births. I will probably reference this birth as traumatic because to me it was, but in no, um, but by no means was it traumatic in the way that I hear a lot of other women's birth stories. Um, but obviously we all have our own experiences and in my case I was comparing my birth to um, the births I'd had previously and yeah I'll probably get into it all but um, I did find this birth traumatic and I am definitely glad that it is it was my last birth Um, I don't think I'd be going back if it was my first or second and I can now understand how women do feel like this Um, and my heart goes out to you if that's how you're feeling if you did have a traumatic birth but you want to have more kids I totally understand it but also in the scheme of things my birth like I've said wasn't super traumatic as opposed to other stories I've heard. So just wanted to say all that. I also wanted to say I know that I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful to have had four healthy pregnancies, four healthy births and touch wood, no issues really postpartum. So here's my story and get a drink (laughs) and buckle in. Okay. So it's raining today, it's the eve of her first birthday and it's raining and a year ago it was raining as well. We had flash flooding, it was a weather event and I was gearing up for my last labour. There I was, surrendering, about to birth my fourth baby, scared out of my mind but so, so relieved I had a healthy baby and she was finally on her way. It had been a long, but not my longest wait. Finally, at 41 weeks and two days, I decided to say yes to the offer of an induction. I just wanted to add that I was through the public system and inductions are hard to come by. The only reason I was um, granted an induction was because my baby only had two cords, um, like blood vessel cords, um, I didn't really ever find out all the ins and outs of it, but ultimately that's why I was granted an an induction. Um, And I have no judgment on people that uh, do or don't um, go 
natural or have inductions or plan seizures i just think at the end of the day it's your experience you do what works for you um but in my situation i didn't like that i was having an induction because it was going to be my second induction the first induction i had was with my second baby and that was because i had gestational diabetes and um i didn't love the experience and then my third pregnancy my third birth sorry was amazing the best birth ever um it was just beautiful and I do have photos of that birth, which I might link here. And it was just the best experience. I went into labor naturally. It was very calm and it was beautiful. And so admittedly, I wanted a birth like that again. Um, and she also went to, I think like 42, 42 weeks nearly. So I'd waited a bit longer, but as I'll get into the circumstances around this um, birth, we're very different. It's very different when you have more kids and yeah, I'll probably get into it more, but I didn't want to be induced, but after having two false alarms, um, I said yes. So yeah, I'd had two false alarms in the couple of weeks prior. Yes, yes, you would think that by baby number four, I'd know when I was in active labor, but honestly, this pregnancy journey had felt so different and medical that I felt I'd really lost my inner knowing. I felt really out of tune with my body. No matter how much I tried to shake that feeling, you know, I did a hypnobirthing refresher. I was really doing a lot of pre-birth prep, um, literally meditations, affirmations, calm breathing, all the things, but I was just shit scared. I'll be honest. I was shit scared because it hurts. I'm sorry. Um, if you haven't given birth, it hurts, and I didn't want to do it again. I'm drinking a much-needed coffee as I go along with this. Um, but yeah, the, the pregnancy had been really different because of post-pandemic. So the masks, the lack of continuity of care, the changes in concerns about that blood vessel thing, you know, at one minute they were telling me that I'd definitely be induced early and it was high risk almost. And then towards the end, it was like, oh, it's no big deal. You're fine. You can go right up until, you know, when she comes. So that was very frustrating. So in my head, I went from, you know, I'd be induced around 38 weeks to then another experience of I'm going four weeks over and I'm getting pretty frustrated um, and yeah, so I definitely found the experience post pandemic horrible. And I really feel for women who that's their first experience, particularly because it shouldn't be like that. I feel like, you know, not seeing the doctor or the nurse's face because they're hidden behind a mask is just horrible. Um, and how can you feel totally comfortable when it's clearly so medical um, but yeah, I found it to be horrible. So as much as I'd tried for it to not be stressful in the lead up to her birth, there were a few things that happened that, you know, in hindsight couldn't, could have been avoided, but also when I was thinking about them, when they were booked in, I was like, I'll be fine. But you just don't know when you're in the moment, 
and your hormones are running wild you just don't know and so I really encourage people to really think things through before they say yes so in my case I'd said yes to my husband going on a boys trip when I was 38 weeks pregnant which I didn't want to be a ball breaker and say no I wanted him to have his last hurrah before God knows what our life was going to look like with four kids but looking back I wish I'd said no um, because it was very stressful and uh, he yeah he went to Tasmania so he was planning on coming back on the spirit of Tasmania and I was cramping that night so I literally just got, told him to get on a plane because I knew mentally there's no way I could have gone him being out of contact on a bloody boat in the middle of wherever um, and me possibly like you know it was a possibility at 38 weeks that I'd go into labor um, but in also knowing you know, it's unlikely you'd go into labor feeling so stressed. Um, but yeah, long story short, I ended up telling him to get on a plane. Um, another thing that was happening was around before he went on his trip, he was doing a course, which meant um, he'd get a promotion, which was awesome. But it also threw a bit of a spanner to um, our routine and him not being available, him being a lot more exhausted. Um, and, you know, ultimately, Matt and I sometimes make these silly decisions for the greater good because, you know, we knew that afterwards we didn't know what life would be like. We didn't know when he'd be able to do this course again. So we just yoloed it and did it, um, you know, with the thought in mind, short-term gain, long term no short-term pain long-term gain but yeah I just it didn't need to happen um but we got through we got through but it was stressful and then add on to that school holidays with three kids six five and three it was hectic enough I was also running a business which was stressful holidays are really stressful because I'm planning enrollments for the term to follow um, and also I think, you know, just not knowing how you're going to be feeling, how capable you're going to be, all the things, it was very stressful, but like I said, we can do hard things. So yeah, I, like I'd mentioned before, I did do a lot of mental health prep. Um, I also thought about post-birth, you know, I know, I knew that Matt wouldn't be able to take any time off work. Um, and so how we're we going to navigate that and also you just don't obviously you don't know what your baby's going to be like so you know you can only plan so much I'd had problems breastfeeding all three of my kids um, with my third I was finally diagnosed with um, insufficient glandular tissue which means that you will never be able to produce enough milk for your baby so as much as I was really trying to collect colostrum and hoping that this time around would be different in my heart of hearts, I knew it wasn't going to be. And I'd made the decision early on that if if I felt that it wasn't going to work, I was going to call it early. And so that was something else that was going on in my mind. Um, but yeah, I was very stressed about going into labor when Matt was on night shift. You know, it is a high possibility, but again, um, obviously... I feel like I need to be quite relaxed to give birth, I mean, generally, and um, 
so I kind of, you know, I planned and my neighbour was on call and all that sort of stuff, but it was stressful and I didn't want to give birth at home um, with Matt not there. And we ended up getting a home phone and I taught the oldest, well, the two oldest, how to call triple zero, what our address was and all that stuff because that's how, uh, I don't know, that's how nervous I was that it was going to happen. And all my labours have been very quick. So we are about 20, 30 minutes away from the hospital. There's a lot of things obviously to consider. Um, But yeah, so I was just hoping for the best but expecting the worst. So my false alarms. The first one was I'd had cramping one night and um, Matt was home. He had a big test for the course that he was doing the next day it was his test he had to be at work very early and I had cramping and we thought better to be safe than sorry let's go get checked out so my mother-in-law thankfully came and we went to the hospital and they were adamant I was in labor as well and so we sat and we sat and we sat and I was like I'm just I don't think it's it but I really want it to be it but I don't think it's it Anyway, long story short, we ended up deciding to just head home because I wanted Matt to have as good a sleep as he could. Um, Nothing progressed and we ended up, yeah, he went to work and I came home. That was the end of that. Um, And then the second time round, I'd had a stretch and sweep. So this was on the 11th of October. So um, she ended up being born on the 13th. So it was a couple of days before I got a stretch and sweep and... um, the nurse and say this is where what people say really bugs me oh you are definitely going going into labor this is gonna work I've got magic hands all this stuff and so she said all that and was like I wouldn't leave the hospital da 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 so we ended up just going thankfully my parents were up babysitting whoever was home and we ended up just going getting a coffee and I had really bad cramping and um, yeah it was progressing so I got my TENS machine out and we went back to the hospital and sat there and sat there and sat there and I just so wanted that to be the day and I ended up getting my friend Beck who works at the Mindful Birth Movement she's wanted to be at a birth so the stars were aligning Beck came We ended up spending hours just walking the hospital stairs and I was just getting so frustrated. And, you know, as I'd said, my other labours were really short. So I was like, why is this so different? This just feels so different. And so we ended up, I don't think they offered to check me or maybe they checked me and I wasn't, I was maybe four centimetres. They ended up offering me an induction then and I just said like, look, no, nah, I'm exhausted. I'd prefer to just go home and get a sleep and see how the next, you know, couple of days go. Like I said that at the very start, there was a bit of a weather event. My parents live an hour away. So there was a bit of stress about whether they go home and drive in the rain or whether they stay and you know that this ultimately could have gone on for a few more days so that was a bit of a stressful thing too not knowing what to do they ended up we ended up coming home they left and then we ended up they came back because the hospital called the next day on the 12th to offer me an induction on the 13th I did always have this thing about threes 
So my first daughter is the third. My second daughter is the ninth, which is obviously divided by three. Like divisible. I don't know if that's a word. By three. And then my third daughter is on the third. And then my lucky number is the 13th. So I just had this kind of feeling. And three in our um, extended family is a thing as well. And my mum and Matt's mum can be a bit woo-woo about these things. And so 13th felt really good. So when they offered me an induction, I was like, bam, yes, let's do it. And so then my parents had literally gotten like halfway home and I called them and was like, sorry, we're having an induction tomorrow. So they ended up going home, resetting, coming back and staying the night. And we ended up staying at my mother-in-law's who's like five, 10 minutes away from the hospital, which is what we'd done for my third birth. So I, I must've been booked in for an induction with her. I don't know, but we were staying at her house and I went into labor there. Um, and so I was half hoping that it was going to be the same thing because I'd had such a great experience the third time. Um, but I went to bed, had no niggles and just surrendered to the fact that at least I'll be getting a good night's sleep and I'm definitely having this baby tomorrow. So we ended up getting up, going to the hospital. They broke my waters at 9.45 and then at around 11.15, they mark this as onset stage one. Okay, so 11.15. And I, yeah, so the droop was in. I was pretty calm, um, but totally nervous. Had my TENS machine on. And so with my third labor, I'd actually birthed her on the toilet pretty, pretty well on my own. Right until the end, I called out to everyone, you know, her head's pretty much here. So that was great, but I kind of was trying to replicate the same thing. And so because I'd been induced, I had all the cords and stuff on me, which were really irritating me. And so I asked to go to the bathroom to try and kind of get things rolling and um, I did that and nothing was progressing and I was feeling really frustrated and the nurse was just painful. So the nurse, before we checked in or whatever, she told Matt he had to wear one of those full on masks, but she was only wearing a blue mask. That annoyed me. And then she made him do a rat test, which by this point in life, like rat tests were not really a thing, which annoyed me as well. She didn't really have much of a you know, we didn't really, she didn't really try to make an effort to get to know me much. Um, you know, she knew it was my fourth birth, but obviously they don't know your history. So they have no idea what the last one was like, but she was very medical and she was very much like, I'm in charge because you're being induced and you need to do what I say. And that didn't sit right with me at all. In my opinion, your birth is your own birth and it's your own experience and you should call the shots. And so by me going into the bathroom, that was kind of escaping her as well because she couldn't be bossy to me. But then what happened was I came back in and I started bleeding. And so that was quite full on. For me in my head, I was thinking this is happening, like I'm about to give birth because that's what happens. 
But for her, she was like, this is happening too quick and you are bleeding too much. There's a problem. And so she called in the whole team of people and was, you know, yelling at me to lie back and really got me freaked out. Before this day, I think it was like two days before, I was just talking to my my five-year-old and she's like a real mother hen. She's quite intuitive and she goes, let's get the baby out, chop, chop, chop. And at the time I was like, that's a weird thing to say. But then when the woman, the nurse was saying, you know, lie back, there's a problem. In my head, I went straight to my child saying that and I was like fuck I need to calm down there's something wrong I'm gonna end up having a cesarean there's a problem there's a big problem and so you can imagine how stressed I then got and then by that point I'm like get me a you know as we all do get me an epidural I can't do this obviously it was too late for an epidural So they gave me the gas, which I'd only ever had the gas for my first pregnancy and I couldn't figure out how to do it. I couldn't breathe in, breathe it in and breathe out through it and all the things. But I needed to calm down and I knew I needed to calm down. So I was like, give me that. I'll try it again. You know, I'll try and work out how to do it. And it definitely calmed me down. But I remember there was one moment where I'm just sucking on the gas and I'm just staring at Matt. Like I think I was holding him holding the whistle thing and just like my eyes must have been just bulging out of my head telepathically I'm saying to him like save me this is this is not something's wrong and again I think because it was so medical and because it was there were so many other people involved in this I just it was horrible it was absolutely horrible anyway so she's telling me to calm down and that there's something wrong and I feel like I need to start pushing so I start pushing it's not my first radio babe I know that now's the time and she's telling me stop pushing you're not dilated enough and I'm like babe f off pretty much f off I know that I need to push right now so I'm gonna push and so be it we need to get this baby out you're stressing me out anyway pushed and I don't know how they count the stages. So stage one, according to these notes, was an hour and 54 minutes. Stage two was three minutes. Stage three was nine minutes. Quick. So in total, length of labor, two hours and six minutes. Pretty much from the moment things took off with the drip, to my baby being in my arms was two hours and six minutes of full intensity and it was my quickest birth I'm pretty sure they all got quicker and it was definitely the worst the worst and then I birthed her birthed the placenta which was horrible like I I feel like every pregnancy I've had, that's gotten worse and also the after pains. So that was it. She was thankfully here. I was shit scared when she came out that she wasn't breathing because of the (laughs) carry-on. I don't know if I should call it carry-on, but because of everything that had happened in that short amount of time, I was like, oh my God, 
please just tell me. I don't care what's happened to me. I feel like I am totally broken down there, but please just tell me this child is okay. And when I held her in my arms, I just felt complete. And I know that might sound a bit cliche, but up until that point, each baby I'd had, I felt, you know, so much love, but I just never felt complete. And holding her, I mean, admittedly, I never wanted to do the birth again, but holding her, I was just like, this is, this is how my life is meant to be. I was meant to be a mum of four and four girls. And this is amazing. And she has brought us so much joy. And thankfully, our life has been great since she's come along. Um, she's just the most chill child and it's been amazing. But postpartum, so she was born at 1.13 p.m. Oh no, sorry, 13.10, 1.10 p.m. I think it was. Anyway, something like that. <laughs> I should know all this, shouldn't I? Matt's good with the dates and numbers, I'm not. And so she was born and I... You know, we had our beautiful time together. I, the nurse literally sat down on my bed and started rubbing my leg. And she's like, do you want to talk about that? And I was like, can you get away from me? You're triggering me. Go away. I never want to see you again. I know that's terrible to say, but it was like, babe, that could have been so much better had you not freaked out. And, you know, she said, you know, that was a lot and... Yeah, anyway, so it is what it is. It's over, thank God. We've got a healthy baby. Post-birth, we were back up in a room by about six and it was a room with four mums, including me. It was horrible. Oh, my God, I can't even explain. So the, the toilet was across the hallway from where all the beds were Um way too much information but I went to the toilet and someone had like not cleaned up after themselves which was horrible and I was like and the shower was in that toilet I'm like I do not want to leave my baby alone while I have a shower or you know come and brush my teeth or whatever with some randoms no not happening I just didn't feel comfortable the start the advice that the midwife was giving to some of these mums I was just like oh god help God help these women. <sighs> it really grinds my gears. But and then the chick next to me in the bed she was trying to nap. So I'm I'm wanting to call people and tell them that she's here and what her name is and all the fun stuff because we knew that we were having another girl, but not many other people knew that it was a girl. Like my mum, my sister, a lot of people close to me didn't know that she was we were having another girl and so they were even more excited I feel like it's way more exciting when you don't know and I mean for me personally it's not about the gender I am stoked to have four girls but yeah it was fun it was fun telling people and so yeah I wanted to call people but the chick next to me was asleep so I was like oh well I won't call people I'll just send some texts and then you know tell them later all the ins and outs anyway I'm trying to have a nap at like eight o'clock and she is on FaceTime telling her sister her whole birth story. So not only can I hear her side of the story, but then I have to listen to her sister's reactions. I was like, that is not cool. I feel like 
you know, moral code in a hospital, particularly a birth ward. Not cool, babe. Not cool. Anyway, Matt's thankfully still there. We kind of just kept him snuck in there. I don't know if he was technically allowed to be there or not. But I was like, can you please get my forms? I want to leave. Like, there's no way I can stay here. Um, and so by midnight, we're in the car. And, <laughs> like, it's the weirdest thing. You're literally walking out with this tiny little baby and it was raining and we're driving home and it was wild like thinking about it now it gets me so emotional like time just flies I can't believe that was a year ago and then I remember we brought her in and my dad was still up and he got to meet her first anyway so then we end up having a pretty good sleep seven o'clock I'm up because I was so excited to see the girls I was so excited for them to meet her and Matt and the baby had a little sleep in. My parents were still there and then they came out. We brought her out in the bassinet and it was beautiful. And from that day on, life has been chaotic, <laughs> so chaotic, but so fun. And I just feel so much love. This is the, f the biggest age gap we've ever had. I had my first three in three and a half years. And so my third child was a, over three, um, three and a bit months when the fourth came along. And so it's just been such a different experience. I really feel like I've got to experience this and like be present because all the other times, you know, with the first baby, I was... Um, you know you're adjusting to motherhood and Matt was getting into the fireys and there was a lot going on and then I got pregnant I think like six or seven months in um, and then the other times you're running around after other kids so it is it has been it's almost been like a rebirth for me like just I'm just so grateful I'm so grateful to have her and to be able to have all these beautiful moments and enjoy the first year, the first year has been really, really fun and nice and oh, I'm just so full of gratitude that she's in our life. But Matt had to go back to work. So I think, so she, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, they all meet, mum and dad left um, and Matt went and took the others to school <laughs> and we were like straight in the thick of it. And then a few days later, Matt was back at work. I can't remember how many days, but it was only days that he would have had off. Um, so the fireys, and this is one of the worst parts of the job, is that they only get four shifts. So they can take them as night shifts, day shifts, and they can take them within the first year. The other thing was that we were hopeful that the EBA would be signed and a new agreement in the EBA for the fireys was that the partners of people that have babies get two weeks paid parental leave we never took the government leave or oh, I think we took it once but we haven't taken it since Matt's been in the fireys because we just can't afford to um like most people you know that's unfortunately the case it's just not enough um and yeah, so we were hopeful that this EBA would be signed and that within the year he'd be able to have two weeks 
parental leave, but it hasn't happened. And so we've kind of been a bit done with that because I think he's only taken three days maybe. He definitely hasn't taken all four. Um, so that's been a bit of a bummer, but I've coped. Like it's been way better than the other times. You know, not to say, and as I've spoken about and will continue to speak about here in this podcast, is that like it's not rainbows and butterflies. Even last night I had a bad night and it was hard, but I'm definitely the years and the wiser I get and the older the kids get, the more capable I am, the more I cheer myself on rather than begrudging the next day and this life sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's sad. Like at times it was sad that, you know, we had this beautiful new baby and I think I'm still hormonal. (laughs) We had this beautiful baby, you know, you want to have dinner together and you want to like just be normal people, but then off they have to go to work and yeah, anyway, it just is, but I've been very blessed to have an amazing community around me and you know admittedly it's mainly friends, friendships I've created, the village that I've dreamed about for a long time which I didn't have, gosh I should call this married to the jobs crying edition, (laughs) all I've done is cry the last couple of episodes um but even just little things like I'll never forget one of my friends the minute she found out that Matt was straight back to work she just rocked up let herself in and just had bought all these meals she's like there's no way you're cooking like here's some meals and that was so nice I had hub mums do a meal train for me which was so beautiful so beautiful I've had lots of friends drop off food and meals and clothes. Um, You know, you'd think fourth girl, you'd have clothes, but I'd given a lot away. Um, And yeah, just little things like people helping with drop-offs and pickups for school and kinder. And um, I remember I didn't really want to see anyone the first few weeks because I wanted to be in my own bubble. And people were so respectful of that. It was so nice. Um, And so, like, school drop-off, I remember one of the mums being like, I saw your car, I brought the girls over, and, you know, I could tell you didn't want to get everyone out. Just stuff like that. Like, that's the stuff that you remember years later. Um, And, yeah, I'm just really grateful. And it's been the whole year. Like, just people are just so kind um and you know my parents came and stayed like early on so that Matt and I could just take the baby and have a night away things like that like they're the things that are just have meant the world but the reality is that it gets harder the older they get I find that you know some some parts of it get harder and um yeah like I wish people helped a bit more or thought about that a bit more the other thing I've really hated is that 
you know, all these people have done such kind things for me and a lot of them have then had a baby in the last year and I've felt really bad for not being able to help or show up in the way that they did for me. But unfortunately, that's something that I've had to accept because I've got so many kids and I've got so much going on. I've got a business that takes up a lot of my time and a lot of my energy and a lot of my focus. Um, And then I'm navigating this constant change in roster and life. But I'm so grateful and I need to stop crying. (laughs) That's my birth story. I didn't really go into about my feeding issues, but I definitely had them. There was a video I posted of me crying in the car because the doctor had been a complete asshole about giving me the tablets to stop my milk, which funnily enough, I I asked for them too late anyway. So I did have a pretty shit time with all of that again, which annoyed me. And like, you know, it's sad, but anyway, I don't really want, I'll just start crying again if I go into that. Um, but, but the only thing that annoyed me about sharing that video was that, you know, it was a moment in time crying about something that was really shit that happened about my milk and people were really concerned that I had postpartum and I just, I hate that. I hate, and even now, like guys, I'm okay. <laughs> As much as it sounds like I'm a mess, I'm actually really good. I'm just really tired today and I'm alone. So <laughs> like, surely that's normal. My One of my best friends is a psychologist. I say to her all the time, is this normal? Tell me if this isn't normal, but I'm pretty, I'm good. I am good. But what I was saying about that story was that You know, you share one little clip and then people go to the extreme of asking, like, are you okay? The reason I brought that up is that if we all just shared things that are real and that are happening, maybe we'd all feel a bit better about the fact that sometimes we yell at our kids and sometimes we cry and sometimes we feel overwhelmed. How some of us might feel that a lot each day. But it's when you can't get out of it. It's when you can't get out of it. It's when you're feeling low all the time or more than not. That's when you need help. But I also am such an advocate for preventative measures, finding a community, building a community, um, seeing a psych before things get to the next level. My third, I was going through a really stressful time. Again, there was a lot going on in my life. Um, and that's a story for another day, but I ended up going and seeing a psych because I was like, I don't want to break down. I need to talk to you because you're a safe person and you know more than I do about this stuff and I need to talk to you. And so I'd go and I'd see her once a week and, um, you know, this time postpartum, I've been really, um, mindful about having massages, I joined the gym, like more of that self-care stuff. And admittedly, like I haven't been able to do a lot of those things recently. And so that's probably. This podcast was brought to you by me, Erin Burke. Thank you so much for listening. You are welcome to email me at erin at theparentshub.com 
www.thepodcast.com.au. That is my not-for-profit that I run. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging.